This is Mike Sempervivi from WrestlingObserver.com. Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day. And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio. Woo! He now rocking with One Nation Radio. Welcome to the program. Woo! James Boy, Richard Ladder, and a couple friends. Chill. With the show for your wrestling needs. Shopping out the rest of the IWC. We gon' tell her how it is. We gon' shoot from the hip. If they putting out trash, we gon' rip from the bits. Make sure that you tweet us and you rate the shows. Tell a friend to tell a friend I'll let's get it on the road. Hey. One Nation Sports. One Nation Sports. One Nation Sports. Welcome to One Nation Radio. And now, here are your hosts, Rich Latta and James Boyd. And thank you for listening. SocialSuperLights.com. BWB, what's up? Welcome to the November 9th edition of One Nation Radio. James, what's going on, man? Not too much. Still, uh, Viva Las Vegas over this way um, until tomorrow, but I uh, was able to make do with uh, the weird time difference out here because they, they actually have it on tape delay. Or not, you know, the, the West Coast tape delay over here. Right. So it was it was it was a real struggle to trying to get um Ron SmackDown, but I was able to watch both of them. Yeah, man. Um, we're I am happy to say, and we're going to get to this more uh, on One Nation Live Sunday before we hit the Ring of Honor show. But AJ Styles is the new WWE champion, and I could not be happier. <laughs> Uh, but today we came here to talk. Today is November 9th, 2017, which only means one thing in um, WWE language um, or WWE world. It is the 20 year anniversary of the Montreal screw job, the single most impactful uh, moment in the history of the wrestling business, in my opinion. Not the curtain call, not, um, you know. Austin 316, not Hogan slamming Andre, the Montreal screw job. And it's only become more fascinating over the years um, as more truth comes out and more stories and going back and revisiting it and watching it and looking at how, at how serious everything was back in uh, 1997 and how much that belt really meant to these guys and the fans. Um, James, like when I say the words like Montreal screw job and, you know, what are your overall feelings on it before we start kind of going through the timeline of this thing? Um, I feel like it is a piss poor, uh, situation and I feel like it was handled poorly on, on every single side. Like it is, it is the result of mistakes made by every party involved, um, from Vince to Brent to to Sean to Hunter to um, Russo, Ross, Hebner, Cornette, who else? Uh, uh, Hayes, uh, Jarrett, all those guys that are back there uh, involved in that situation. Bischoff, um, for you know, like it was a complete cluster club. That's the best way to put it. Yeah. Um... You you would think that they would have found some way to get this done, but unfortunately, like I feel like Bret Hart's a lot of Bret Hart's pride had been compromised. There was a lot that he felt um, like as the leader of the locker room at that time 
that he had been an example to other wrestlers and he felt like he kind of went out on his sword uh, for them and he represented in almost like an antiquated way of you know doing business at the time uh, especially with you know the way the company was changing into a more um, like a more you know the attitude era essentially and I guess we should just start at the beginning. Like, I, I, if you had to drop the timeline of where um, these events began, what would you say, James? Because I have an idea where I would begin it. I mean, you kind of have to start from like WrestleMania 12 and then go forward, right? That's exactly what I was thinking. So, um, <laughs> for those of you that don't that that were not, you know, watching or too young or anything like that. So I started watching wrestling shortly before WrestleMania 12. Like, and I was like all in on, you know, Shawn Michaels and I like Bret Hart too. And they were like my favorite wrestlers and they're going to fight at WrestleMania or whatever. All right, cool. So Bret Hart, obviously he, um, he loses at WrestleMania, um, you know, in the Iron Man match, 62 minutes, these guys go out there in 96 and Shawn Michaels wins at the end. And there's this tension that is there, but not really like acted upon. 96 was a lot uh, better with, you know, the subtleties of things than you would see today. Um, but Bret Hart disappears over that summer and he basically comes back as a man without a country because during that summer, everything starts to shift. Um, like as far as like how the wrestlers are are being positioned, how the fans are starting to receive the the wrestlers, and then when Bret Hart returns, he's kind of positioned as a relic, you know, of a man of the past, uh, if you will. And that nothing you know represents that more than the beginning of his feud with Austin, wouldn't you say? Um, I don't know, like. It- yeah, I remember there was so much stuff like changing at the time and so much weird things going on where and then people would be on TV and drop off TV so often that like you you know, you kinda of forgot that Brett was gone, but when he came back, like, oh yeah, I forgot Brett was gone. Like that kinda of happened to me too at the same time, um, when Sean, you know, um after WrestleMania fourteen. But I don't know, but it, it, it was a weird time where because of guys jumping ship from WCW and WWE, like you kind of lost track of guys. It was easy to because you know neither one of these guys, neither one of these companies were like booking, you know, so expertly that you you know everybody you know, aside from like Hogan absolutely had a place at all times, mm-hmm. especially in '96. So um, it, it, it was it was kind of weird. So to me, like I, I say that uh, with the whole old thing was because if you listen to the match between Austin and um, and Bret Hart from Survivor Series '96. They start saying all these like subtle like little little remarks like kind of burying Brett on the low like you know uh, talking about this isn't nineteen ninety one this isn't nineteen ninety four you know like and basically like starting to basically drop that bug like hey we're gonna start phasing this dude you know down if you will um, didn't really work because you know he obviously won the title again a couple more times at least and. You know, that was the the beginning of Bret Hart, like, turning into, you know, a flawed character, if you will. Now, backstage-wise, um, I feel like you got to cover this two ways. Like, you got to start talking about the backstage age elements. Well, okay, so, if I remember correctly, so, you know, anybody that follows um, 
or listen to um, Observer podcast, um, listen to Meltzer and Alvarez. They know that um, we listen to Alvarez uh, doing the the um, raw retros with um, Vinny and, and, and Craig, and you hear, or even you know, you watch listen to Observer radios, and they talk about this thing where back in the day. Vince really had a thing about once you're 40, you are done. Yeah, like it was it was the same thing with Hogan. The same reason why he, why he got rid of like Backlund and um who else? Backlund and um and, and Snuka at the time. Like once he, he felt like 40 was really old, and of course you know that kind of played in the fact that he was um at the time he was 50, he's in his 50s or whatever. Right. But um that's why they had him tra- Hogan transition um. WrestleMania 6 transitions to the title over to Warrior try to move into the next guy. And as you know, after 92 and everything that happened, it was transitioning to getting away from Flair and Macho Man. That's why I also moved Macho Man off and had him retire and all that kind of stuff, too. You know, he, he, yeah. still, he still could go. Um, so the thing the thing that I always thought was so weird in retrospect was the fact that, like, so you signed Brett to this 20-year because you, you're afraid of him leaving – the WCW at the time, so you signed it to this twenty-year lifetime contract. It's almost like the Magic Johnson um, contract, right? Yeah. Or more expensive, but you get my point. Like it's like the first of its kind, a lifetime contract. But he was thirty-nine. He was only thirty-nine, so you didn't realize. Like he had, this, he had this huge hank about guys turning forty and not wanting them. But like one year before you turn forty, let me let's lock you in and make sure we have you going <laughs> until you're fifty-nine years old. So like, yeah. It seemed, yeah. Yeah, and, and that that contract was uh, said to be like three years as a wrestler. Then he would go to the creative team or some type of uh, job backstage, and then he would transition into like a consultant, like later on for a million dollars. Yep, so for a million dollars a year. Yep, and Bret Hart's uh, that that contract would have expired like this year. That original one, like thank God that, that Bret Hart kind of broke that contract because, bro, I bet like Bret would have been like, hold on, like. Like he would have been locked in at that that rate and be like, yeah, for all them years, I don't know if it would have been. Hey, hey I bet the book would have been more consistently good. <laughs> I bet that. <laughs> um, yeah, so like, yeah, as you were saying, like, you know, Brett's in this whole thing, and they start crying financial peril in the middle of '97. Why he's the champion again? And this is something I learned about recently: how they were able to. Like, once Bret Hart was committed to go to WCW uh, and everything else that kind of shook out when Tyson showed up, WWE was able to get out of their financial peril in, like, two or three months. It wasn't just, you know, oh, Stone Cold Steve Austin is getting hot. Um, it was just literally them changing the pay-per-view prices from nineteen ninety nine a month to twenty nine ninety nine a month. And doing a pay-per-view every um, month. And they were instantly in the black. And it kind of, like, makes you wonder. It's like, wow, they overshot all the, Or they, they just missed this by, like, two or three months. If they could have just held on. Like, we would have never had to, like, have Bret Hart, like, essentially get sacrificed. Yeah, like, basically... If I'm correct, you're, you're talking about Meltzer basically was talking about how when WCW started charging full price for every single pay-per-view and then um, Vince thought the model was flawed and thought that, like, guys, right. they, they won't possibly pay for um, a full price pay-per-view all, at all times. And it saw WCW was kicking the teeth in and also charging full price. Correct. And then Vince was like, huh, 
Let me stop charging fifteen. Was it fifteen or nineteen dollars? It was like uh, it was one of houses? those. It was one of those. Yeah, it was like let, let me or let, let's stop, like yeah, let's stop charging like fifteen dollars or seventeen dollars for two hour pay per views. Let's actually do the damn thing and. Just like GC and Fabulous, they did a damn thing. <laughs> so, so like in the, the whole deal with the screw job, like obviously you know you guys have, have heard about how everything with that. Um, I think it makes you feel so bad for Bret Hart. He's literally a man against a corporation. I feel like. Well, wait. Let's. All right. So, do we have to start talking about the Sean stuff too? About the what stuff? The Sean stuff. Well, yeah. Okay, so let's go back. I mean, and another part is like, so Brett, you know, Brett leaves to do the trial acting, which is also like it happens to also happen at the same time where he like he leaves so that like Sean can like he can be the one like you know people love to talk about like have their knocks on Brett. They love to talk about how like how bad the ratings are when on his Washington's champion or whatever. Yep. And then like he leaves, and then Sean's like in front of those uh, those all time low ratings until like this year they're all time lows. Like no one ever mentions that with Sean. No one ever you know everybody ever remembers the heartbreak kid and the resilience and, and the flamboyant. They don't remember the fact that, that man could that man was was out here struggling. How did you know come to your hometown for a sellout of the biggest paper uh the, the, the Royal Rumble and you gotta get them tickets away. Look, three dollar no tickets. Three dollar tickets. Yeah. Like he was selling out he was you know he's doing well with house shows but not 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 TV and not pay-per-view. Yeah, and they, um, you know, as you mentioned, Bret Hart was gone for that summer, and when he returned, uh, the everyone, all of the 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 situ- the I have the whole situation set up for them to kind of meet in a rematch at WrestleMania 13, which never fucking happened. <laughs> yeah. So Shawn yeah. Michaels uh, lost his smile or whatever, um, and you know he had that pussyfoot injury. Um, yeah. Which continued a long line of him, like, never, ever, like, putting anybody over to lose belts. He just hand those belts off. Yeah. Like, he was Intercontinental Champion. He was Intercontinental Champion in 93. He hands the belt off. Um, he, I think it was, who was he tag team champions with? Diesel, and he hand the belts off? They vacated the belts when they broke up. So they, they didn't do a job when they broke up their tag team with the belts. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. He had, look, he was your, he, remember, after, even after this, uh, after, uh, Leading up to the screw job. No, I'm sorry. After the screw job. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. When he when he was a European champion, how he did that garbage. Uh, yes. That garbage uh, pin for uh, Triple H. He gave him just yeah here. After he after he got jumped by the quote unquote nine thugs. Um, or it, Syracuse. Yes, uh, he handed back the Intercontinental title. So this was like another situation where Shawn Michaels was hand over the belt again. And I imagine if you're Bret Hart at that time, you're like. <clears throat> Here he fucking goes again. This little wimp, this whiner, this this um, this softy. You know any other word yeah. you you want to use there? Um, you know I imagine Bret Hart used a lot harsher words than that. But um, Bret Hart is you know positioned with Austin while Shawn Michaels is like missing WrestleMania, pretty much sitting out one out on on the team because he didn't want to do a job. So that starts planting it in Bret's mind like. This fucker doesn't want to do business. So yeah. I put this and guy over clean park. last year. What what's the problem? Yeah. I think I think also it's really good if uh, I forgot uh, people that just want like want reference on this is to um check out Pritchard's podcast, one of the fir- one of the first ten podcasts um 
um, in a, an episode length about uh, the screw job, and they get to the part talking about Sean and the injuries and how he had, you know, he lost his smile or whatever. And he and Pritchard talking about how, you know, he's telling where her word for him that like he's going to need surgery or, or whatever, and they're thinking his career's over. And then they come back and they find out, oh yeah, he's out for a couple of weeks. It's like, well, what the fuck? <laughs> You know, and then, you know, he goes out there and they think he's, you know, and everybody's alluding to the fact that they believe he's, you know, out of his mind, he's messed up, he's on stuff, as he's giving his retirement speech. Um, and, you know, everybody in the back is sitting there watching it and he's supposed to talk about, you know, because my knee, I can't wrestle anymore. And he's out here talking about how he lost his smile and not like, you know, yes. I'm injured so I can't do this no more. And this is the thing I love. He's like, yeah, so here. And then he gives that hug to Vince, and Vince has the most like, "fuck this guy" hug I've ever seen. My like his face during that hug is yes. like just. It's just Thursday like, Raw so, Thursday. If you guys are looking like, for the episode of Raw, have you ever seen? You ever, you ever heard the expression like when a parent says to to their child, "I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed." Yes. Like Vince had like that full on disappointed father like. I can't believe what's wrong with you. You don't you high you don't high on drugs out here on, on live fucking national television. And you say you had a foot injury, but you come out here and telling people that you lost your smile, you like you lost your you know your desire to do this anymore. Like just give me a fucking buddy, get the fuck out just get the fuck yes. out of here. Just get the fuck it's out like, of here. It's like, like, it's my ring. Like, him. like it was it was really a weird time. And it, and the other part is, you know, when you you know how WWE, like one of the best things that they do, like God bless their uh, their production team, their post production team when they make video packages, they're always great. They always there's never a time when like there's never been a time I've ever seen with WWE's production package over, over twenty years of WWE, over twenty plus years of WWE that I've watched where the promos or whatever else they do on TV live is isn't like when they redo it the, and then shorten it, condense it, and structure it, it's never worse. It's always better. Um, yeah. So when the first time I saw the, uh, you know, when he retired, he, uh, you know, I saw it. I didn't watch a lot, but so after I'm thinking, like, you know, they showed the, the crowd, like the girls, like the, the young girls are, you know, tearful, crying, thinking like Sean's retiring. You know, he's supposed to be like their beefcake or whatever. Then, like, you watch it back live and you see, you hear people like, like giving him, like giving him shit. Like this is terrible. This is awful. Like we don't believe you. You need more people. And he's <laughs> like, that's the that is the real, the real power of WWE. Because I thought, you know, I thought it was like it was a really sad moment when I saw it. But it turned out like if I was, I was just young and I watched the replay. Yeah, that, that propaganda machine. You know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so fast forward through that. Um, these guys get into a a real fight uh, a couple weeks later, and it, that is over the sunny days comment. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you know, Shawn Michaels on the mic talking that shit. Essentially, he said, "I don't know about you. You know, you're having some sunny days or whatever." And you know, Bret Hart was essentially like, "Why are you fucking with my family? You know, my family's here." Um, yeah. while, meanwhile, Sean was the one that was involved with Sonny and he thinks, you know, how I, how I interpreted it was Bret Hart and Sonny were, you know, close friends, but like nothing more. I've never heard any story of them, you know, more than that. But at the same time, you know, Sean and Sonny, that they were a thing. I think Sean thinks Bret was creeping in on his territory Quote unquote. Oh yeah, of course. So, like, 
Sonny is a very underrated aspect of the of the Shawn Michaels Bret Hart, you know, saga. Yeah, and it also feeds to the part where you know when it comes to uh, colleagues uh, in sports related activities, typically will cause uh, number one. The two number one issues that cause people to fall out is either something money related or something women related. And by women related, I mean like the people think that they're you know property. They're yeah, I don't say property. Uh, people think that the person that they're you know canoodling with is, may may possibly be or is canoodling with somebody else. So then there's that you know there's a head button come up at, at so so. In that situation, like, oh, okay, that's another element of it. Which is like, oh, this, uh, like, a, it's like a tell us all this time. Yes, dude's fighting over a woman. Yeah. <laughs> so um, there's that whole situation, um, and come to find out that it's really like he should have really had the issue with the British Bulldog, but that's a whole another situation. Um, they, um, you know, that that takes us into the summer where Undertaker's champion kind of a lame duck run, like not really fighting anyone exciting. You know, he, he fought Farouk. You know, that he Farouk needed to, to tell him that he needed to be afraid of this black male. And, um, you know, he, he rekindled his feud with Mankind. He fought Austin, but it wasn't really, like, you know, heated or anything. But the, the hot thing in the company was, you know, Shawn Michaels preparing for his return, essentially, and Bret Hart and the Hart Foundation uh, throughout the summer. So... Eventually, like, you know, you can't run with Undertaker forever. Like, that man's not meant to be champion for forever. So the decision is made to put the belt back on Brett while Sean is coming back out. I always say Survivor Series, or excuse me, SummerSlam 97, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, and The Undertaker, uh, all three of those guys are never the same after that match. Um, they all, the, all their characters dramatically shift. Like, Bret Hart's, you know, the champion again, but he's positioned clearly like he is the past. Uh, Shawn Michaels is now a degenerate, and The Undertaker is, like, about to become this humanly, like, kind of figure. Like, so, um, you know, keeping it rolling from there, you know, more tension, uh, you know, with the company, like, as far as WCW kicking their ass and the financial peril is up. And this is around the time where he says, hey, Brett, I just can't pay you anymore. Um and he was like, "Hey, you still think you can get that deal with WCW? Like the end of oh, uh, the like the end like of college drop off? Yes, you know you think you can still get that deal with Rockefeller? You know." <laughs> so uh, Eric Bischoff hits him with the, "What do you think is gonna you know take or what do you what's it gonna take for you to come to WCW?" Which is like one of the most like persuasive lines because you're setting it up where Bret Hart can literally say anything. Like, yeah, I want $10 million on a giraffe outside. Like, I don't... Like, like anything can be said at that moment. Um, Fast forward. Then, um, you know, Bret's still wrestling with himself, whether he should make the move. Uh, Obviously, WCW doesn't have the most stellar reputation for the wrestlers. You know, I'm sure these guys, like, know what it is. And then... Another famous line that Bret Hart said echoed in his mind forever. He was like, said Vince said to him, WCW would never know what to do with a Bret Hart. And boy, oh boy, was he correct. <laughs> do, do you remember that, James? Yeah, like I think, the, I think the weird thing about like Bret is even more so, like people like to talk about how unlikely, you know, in today's standards, like how unlikely Daniel Bryan's rise is. 
Like, Daniel Bryan's rise is the fact that, like, he was really good at everything you ever you ever threw at him, and he succeeded at it, and people started liking him because he was a likable guy. And then we were at a point where, like, we, you know, we were tired of having, you know, John Cena, you know, being champion again and again and again. Um, CM Punk was, on, you know, CM Punk was on the tail, on the back end of, uh, of, of his run of, of uh, mainstream popularity. And like, and then Randy Orton is Randy Orton. So, like, I can be, I like, that's not that unlikely. It was just like, it was just basically, we were at a point where everybody gets a turn, and it was literally his turn. He was hotter than anybody had ever been since, um, you know, since Cena, at least, right? So, with Brett, it was, you know, his his situation, like, I don't even know what got him over as a, as a babyface, other than he's always really, you know, he was a really, really capable hand. He was likable. Like, but there were so many other contemporaries that were like probably better suited at the time for his, you know, that was that was you know with him. Like whether it was Perfect or um, even a younger Sean at the time, uh, Ray, Razor because of because of the size thing, Diesel because of obviously the look. I mean, we were we're now we're twenty years removed from that from that Diesel look, and we're still getting that pushed down our throats right right now. So. So there were there were there were a lot more hurdles in the way for for Brett's ascendance to where he where he became like you know the second five time champion in company company history, and I mean it's it's sort of I mean Warrior at the same time we like he he you know he basically picked up where Warrior was supposed to be the person that had the ball for the next for the future for the company but Warrior flamed out right and and I feel like there's a subtext of of Bret Hart essentially being paranoid for those five years where he's the man like there's all like this man's constantly trying to replace him he's reaching into the past with Bob Backlund he's like trying to get these seven foot motherfuckers over he's trying to like have this one guy hold this shit together but you know at the same time Bret Hart's like you know this is where I'm supposed to be you know and, and they treat they treated Bret like he was Kirk Cousins yeah yeah like um, the franchise, or or you know, like oh, like anybody that's like the fifteenth most talented quarterback in in the NFL was like, look, we know that it's gonna be hard to replace you, but we gonna always try to replace you. We ain't gonna never just be set on being like we got this guy. That's who we gonna go to bat with. And it's a weird thing when it's like, well, dude, who the fuck else you gonna find better than me? That's not gonna take you a long time for you to like transition up to. And you know you potentially waste a lot of um, time in fanfare, dicking around. Right. And you know when you have, you know, some of the stupidest stuff that they had uh, Brett go through, where they were like fighting with Lawler, who was old as shit then. Yes. Right. Like he's so like he was at that point where like Lawler was so old that like he doesn't look like twenty years later he looks about the same as he did then. That's how old like Lawler was then. <laughs> Like well, Lawler ain't eight. And he had that short mullet. Maybe aged like like Lawler's maybe aged like a month worth of uh, like a like two years worth of time in the last twenty years, right? Wow. Um, and, the, and you know it's it's it, you know the Isaac Yankum thing, which is like so funny yeah. because you know twenty years of Kane, right? Yeah. Um, they, 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 you know, like there was all, there was only but so much they actually got with got right with Brett at the time, and then like. You know, people still knock them historically, but whatever. Like, I'm, I'm sure somebody else would have, you know, got over really big with like, you know, wrestling Hakushi in night in the nineties. Yeah, 
and that message was great, actually. <laughs> it was. It was. Um, yeah, man. Like to me, there was like if you just look at the the big matches, you know, that he had. To me, it isn't close. Like as far as like in that '92 to '97 period, like you have Sean, but he's like in and out, and you know, you never know what you get with Sean. And Sean wasn't the main event until the very end. Like he was like there in '96 and '97, but it was, that was Brett's time. And mm-hmm. um, moving back into you know the current conversation where we were talking about like there was a there was a point where. Um, these guys were going to try to sell it and be professionals essentially about it. And, um, basically that lasted about what? Five seconds. Yeah. 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 So like Brett has a conversation with Sean and he tells him, you know, I just want you to know, despite everything that's happened that, you know, I have no problem doing business with you. I have no problem losing to you. If, if need, if that's what, you know, Vince wants and, you know, I respect you. And then <laughs> Sean looks at looks this dude in the eye. This guy yeah. that has can grown I it? up. Can I say it? Can well, I say it? Well, can I build it up for you? I'll, I'll throw the alley and then you, you get the right. yeah. Okay, so he looks this guy in the face, right? That has been born into a wrestling family. That has been raised by Stu Hart. That has... Mm-hmm. Seven brothers who are all wrestlers, three sisters or four sisters that are all married to wrestlers. He has been a wrestler for twenty years. His br- whole family, you know, has grown up. He's grown up with a fucking dungeon in his in his house. Yeah, he's getting stretched, <laughs> getting stretched by his dad in yes, the basement. Getting stretched, you know, Stu Hart voice. Uh, I don't feel like doing the, the the imitation right now, but y'all know what I mean. Um, and he tells that dude. Also, that dude can whoop his ass. He tells that dude yeah. this. He says, uh, yeah, I appreciate that, but uh, I can't say the same. Yeah. Like, I don't know how Brett doesn't, like, literally jump over the, or whatever. Was, was it, hopefully it was something between it, like, a table. But, like, oh, I just, <laughs> just sort of taking a visual. But, like, I don't know how Brett doesn't jump over the table and whoop his ass. Again. Again. Oh man! Um, because it, because it, it, you look at like their situation over like yes, these are two guys like being petty and being you know being children because um, yeah. they have hurt feelings over what may or may not have actually even happened. Um, even though that you know one's married and one's single and like nobody's dating anybody, like there's no you know whatever. Uh, but at the same time. I just, I just do not understand, like how you look at their situation. I come away with saying, like, Sean is like, yes, Brett's acting bad, but Sean is completely worse. Like, what, like, what has Brett done that Sean can't forgive? Like, was it like, I mean, he did. Don't get me wrong. Like, he did hit below the belt by doing the whole thing about talking, you know, saying all types of stuff about him and Hunter, you know. And you know, and then talking yeah, about how Playgirl, him doing a Playgirl magazine um, is it, is not a girl magazine, is a gay magazine, and all that <laughs> kind of stuff, and you know how and all the illusions that you know between like how you, how you choose to live your life, and I'm judging how you live your life sounds like you talking like almost like you're gay bashing the dude, but some of the stuff Sean would do was talking about you know like your your you know your your dad is so old that he's basically zonked out like a vegetable he's just waiting to die and stuff like that 
because he's eighty. Was he eighty three at the time or something like yeah, that? Yeah, he was up there like, with the I red mean, light. I mean, you can, I mean, you can just look at that that um that Calgary Sun uh, newspaper uh, promo that that Vince, or that Brett wrote, and you can see like all his list of grievances of like why he was upset with Sean over those years, and you hear back what what Brett did. And I'm like. So why is Sean so mad? Like, okay, so you missed the time cue of, of getting super kicked on the wheelchair? Yeah, that's I remember that. That's what you're furious about? You're furious about that? You know what I think it is? And I've, I feel like I've heard this somewhere before, and I've really bought into this. Like, apparently, like, Sean just wanted that approval from Brett that he was, he was good and that he was a guy that was going to be next or whatever. Because if you look at it, like, all throughout, you know, the earlier years – Bret Hart was the world champion. Sean was the intercontinental champion. He was the guy on the come up. Right. And there was a pat on the back that was supposed to be coming. And Sean felt like that pat on the back should have already happened. And it never quite, you know, I feel like, you know, as Brett describes it, like that pat on the back was coming. But Brett was going to make him earn that shit, essentially. Like, you know, he, he wasn't just going to bow down to, to this druggie, to this guy who's like not really showing responsibility for the business and everything like that. And, and at the same time with Bret Hart, you know, Bret Hart's no saint, you know, or anything like that. Like, as far as, like, if you if you guys have ever read his book, like, the man man was, like, out there on the road and, you know, living life, living fast while married and everything like that. But um, he was, um, you know, with those two guys, like, it just got really bad from there. And then I think this is a good uh, point to start bringing up Bret Hart's character in 1997 where he was a face in um, in Canada and a heel in WWE, and how that may have led to his character essentially being sabotaged back then. Because it's not how it is now, where you can just turn on a dime, essentially, and it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I- like, he essentially left Brett with no opponents, like, no logical, like, you know, opponents, and stuck. Yeah, but at the same time, like, you look at the whole Brett Sean thing at the time, and it was a weird thing, but, you know, like, in America, they're both heels. Right. So it's like, you're about to have a heel versus heel program for the title. Like, what, what the hell's going on? Um, and, you know, at the time, like, they're getting Austin ready, and Austin's, you know, Austin's with the man or whatever else, or um, at the time. But I saying my timeline messed up. Uh, yeah, they're still getting Austin ready around that time, but, like, he's on the bat burner. He broke his neck, but he's coming back. When does he come back? What time? What? He shows back. Is he up, back for Survivor Series? Yeah, no? he, he fights on the undercard of Survivor Series 97. Okay. But they just weren't, they just were not ready at the time. Like, and you see what happened after SummerSlam, we're like, okay, well, we don't really... Don't really know what to do here. Like, what was like at um at Bad Blood? Who was who was Brett like wrestling? I don't even remember. Brett was in a tag team match with the British Bulldog against the Patriot and Invader, I believe. There you go. He's your champion. In a flag match or He's something your like that. <laughs> and and the deal with it is like you know the attitude era was about to start. Like rumor has it like that. Brett wasn't in any of Vince's plans, like, going forward after that. Like, you're done. Like, and, you know, the the deal with it was, like, 
yeah, I don't really have nothing, you know, like you don't fit anymore. And essentially like, it's like, why would you let that guy go? And I think that goes back to what you were saying earlier, like with the whole 40 thing. Um, and from there, like, you know, Brett decided to sign with WCW. Yeah. While, while he was still the champion. Yeah. And not only that, like, it's also, in order for him to actually negotiate that, it takes Vince having to tell him, like, I will, you know, free you up to negotiate. And I will, and I will give you um, an offer, um, you know, at a reduced rate from our previous contract. So, you know, in case you may want to stay, um, but also to give you, um, you know, Something, something for you can compare for Bischoff to give you a a, a, a contract, and it's just, it's just kind of weird. It's like, how do you like? There's a person that you're willing to do all this for, but then like you do this to him to get the belt off him. It's like you you, know, you couldn't look like fucked up time and i was like look, looking at the weird man i was looking at the wiki on this it was like pretty much was saying what i said like it was like it, the whole situation with bret hart being a face and a heel at the same time and this is before they had experience with actually doing that so <laughs> um it's also the best job they've ever done doing it too yeah is it, but it, re, it rendered him neither like a, a great a good guy or a bad guy and it left him like unable to to basically fight anybody else after that and so it was like literally the end of the line for Bret Hart I, I don't know who he fights going forward after that like if you know he stays um on to the I think I think I mean I think a lot of it was like it's really hard to tell because so much of where they went after that immediately proceed or basically is off of the the strength of and, and draft off the uh the force that was Mr. McMahon so like Without the screwdriver, you get no Mr. McMahon. And without Mr. McMahon, like hell, who knows? He Austin even becomes the megastar he becomes, you know, or or Rock, you know. Like there's no there's no like great evil force to bounce that off to bounce those two guys up against. So it's crazy how that all like who the hell out. knows? Crazy how that all worked out. Um, obviously, they they you know onto the Survivor Series, they come up with this whole finish and. Um, this is where Triple H um, basically hops on the phone with Shawn Michaels and Vincent. Man, Triple H, a young boy at the time, essentially. Shawn Michaels is young boy. Um, it was like, if he doesn't want to do business, we'll do business for him, uh, according to rumor and innuendo, of course. Um, yeah. Yeah. And this is and, and it's hilarious that like he has the gall to say that stuff, seeing it like, you know, talking about doing business where – you know he's part. He's part of that that click of ass heads that that want to um, expose the business. Call. <laughs> you know, expose the business. He, he's one of those. Uh, you know, he's, he's part of that click. His homeboy next to him, Sean, is like, oh, you're supposed to put the oh, you're, oh, you're supposed to put over uh, bulldog in in the UK. Nah, I'm beating him. Fuck that. You changing that up? You're not yeah. doing that. Let me tell you what you let me tell let me tell you, Mister Booker Man McMahon, what you're not gonna do. And then this is like, you know what? You're right. You're right. Yeah. yeah, mind control over Vince. Yes, all the way back then. He, he needs some now. Um, <laughs> actually, I can't. I can't. I can't be too hard on Vince this week. But um, you know, he he might have just woken up out of a coma. You know, for for all we know, the last six months. Um, right. And have him be like, look, 
I, I don't know. I don't know what kind of pay per view he he felt like he he lost by having Jinder Mahal versus Brian Lesnar. But he's like, look, I need so I need something to make people give a fuck about this this pay per view. And then he's like, no shield. Like really, no shield at the time. And then like, oh, we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have Braun Strowman versus versus Jinder. How about this? Let's put AJ in there and then watch him get a belt right back to Jinder in India. Watch. Man, they better not. Uh, well, we'll, like I said, we'll get to that. Um, you know, Sunday at One Nation Live, the full AJ Styles celebration uh, will be held here with your boys. Um, but yeah, um, it leads them into the match. Bret Hart thinks Earl Hebner has his back. Earl Hebner, Earl Hebner swore swore on his kid's life that you know he would he would quit if they tried to fuck him. Obviously. That didn't happen. <laughs> um, you know, when it came down no, no, to it. No, tell him about Briscoe. Tell him about Briscoe. Yes, yes, Jerry Briscoe. Okay, so the deal was Shawn Michaels was afraid to go in the ring with this man, essentially. And I feel like Briscoe had to know also from this story. So everybody knew that if it was like a fast count or if it came from like Sean if Sean tried to like hold him down for like a uh, you know anyway Bret Hart would snap and beat the shit out of Shawn Michaels on live pay-per-view yeah that's pretty much how Coordinate described it he said if he if he tries to cinch up on a, on a pinfall he's gonna kick out at two and a half and then beat the shit out of him yep yes so Jerry Briscoe was trying to teach Shawn Michaels how to shoot the night before uh, he was trying to teach him shoot wrestling holds uh, to defend himself <laughs> Like, like, like he's gonna retain that in, in in 24 hours with no practice. Yeah, TJ may have its final after after years of being around. You know, as a, as a, as as a, Jim Cornette call them real men. Yes. Like he he finally was learn how to take care of himself. Yes. And uh, you know, old Jerry Briscoe at that time still would have rolled him up with a folded Sean up like origami. He had a cane to it, but um. Yeah, so they get in the match. They fuck Brett. Um, they ring the bell uh, it, while he has him in the sharpshooter. Uh, Bret Hart submits, quote-unquote. Uh, <laughs> and they're like, yeah. Uh, ring the bell. Match is over. And then Brett spits, like, all over Vince McMahon's face. Um, Perfect movie. Yes. Perfect. Like, like, how he produced that is, is one of the more underrated feats in human history. How he produced that that fast. Have- you know what? I wasn't even thinking about the amount. I was thinking about the aim, like to hit that man directly in the face, like yeah. that. That takes some skill. Caught that man like the eyebrow, like area, like, like yeah. Um, you know, he starts spelling out WCW in the air. Shawn Michaels acts, does a about a great of a sell job as we've ever seen. Uh, well, oh, until I, I, Look, trust me, it, I know. Um, okay. So like, yeah, he, like they, he, he they looks both at look both looking at Vince on sitting ringside, and then go ahead, tell then, about then, what, what then, Sean does. Then Shawn Michaels remembers, oh, it's time for me to grab the belt, so I'm going to grab the belt and walk up out of here. So before Shawn Michaels disappears from 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 the camera, you know, right where he's about to walk through the backstage area, that man holds the, both arms in the air up with the belt and, and you know and like I'm out of here I'm champion fuck y'all I'm out of here <laughs> like and walks to the back um you know oh man and then you know Bret Hart starts tearing shit up 
like like uh three six mafia tear the club up but um <laughs> like you know I, I like i think someone needs to do that um you know Dellen, if you're listening to this can i get tear the club up dubbed over bret hart fucking up all the uh ringside uh area can i can i get that uh one time for me Dellen? but um freaking um what was next james like oh yeah he uh in the backstage area uh, I watched Wrestling with Shadows and I saw Bret Hart's wife yelling at Triple H while Triple H was looking like a scared child uh, refusing to look her in the eye and she was like you and you and all you motherfuckers are in on this essentially and you had something to do with it and he's like you know it's unfortunate you damn right it's unfortunate basically she said like you're not sorry you know what the fuck this is like like I'm not stupid like if you watch Wrestling with Shadows Bret Hart's then wife uh, Julie is like the one that's peeping all the game because Bret Hart was supposed to be protected the last thirty days with the with this clause that um that that basically was like he has reasonable creative control. She looks Bret Hart in the eye and says, "So what do you do like, like, you know, aside from that, like, what if, like, you know, what's the uh, <laughs> like, yeah, you got that, but what if something else happens? Like, she saw this coming. So, James, I present this to you, and uh, this is something Catherine asked me was. How didn't Bret Hart see this coming? I believe Bret. I believe that Bret um, thought that because of um, how how respected he was amongst the locker room, how um, how respected he was amongst even you know the booking committee, um, the writers, that staff. And his relationship with Vince, that he thought that, and you know, and also the alternatives that were laid in place where um, he would, you know, drop that belt. Um, he would just hand it off. He would just hand it off the next Monday and be like, "Well, done, done it all." Then it goes, then it goes to where the big boys play and, and rush for more money for big bank. Um, I think he really thought that. I'm sure there was a thought in his mind that crossed his mind when he thought, you know, you run, you do the, you know, the 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 risk benefit analysis in your head, and you think, all right, there's this percent chance he fucks me, and he just never, he thought like that was option, you know, Z, number, yeah, not Z, but like definitely not <laughs> A, B, or C. Um, so he walked into that, and then he he operated in good faith, and they, in the words of uh of what they of what um of what Pritchard said when he was backstage watching it, when um, he was next to Owen and, and Bulldog, and, Owen, and then Owen, or, and Bulldog says out, they fucked him. Like, that's, they that's fucked how him. it happened. Like, you heard that in the face, and then they fucked him. So. Oh, man. They, they, they so, like, so, so that's why it had to hurt so much, because he's like, he knew that, he knew this possibility. And he still, like, you know, he still worked with them in good faith, and then they still fucked them over. Like that—that's that hurts even worse than anything than being blindsided. Like being like, not only was not only did I get screwed, like I knew the possibility of me getting screwed, and I still got screwed. Now, what do you say to the folks? Now, I'm not one of these folks that feels this way, and we're gonna get into some comments that you guys left us um, to be read on air, um, you know. But what do you say to the folks that say Bret Hart earned basically earned this, earned this, and he basically, you know. Brett screwed Brett, if you will, the the WWE line of thinking. Well, 
I mean, I don't understand the I, I don't understand the logic. Like, what? Okay, to to I almost feel like those people. I mean, there are people that, that are like that, but like, do they really feel that way? Like, are they just saying that just to be smart asses? I'm not sure, but um, like, I think a lot of people think like, why wouldn't Bret Hart just like be the bigger man and and do his job for his boss and all that? But oh, I, I, I really feel like okay. the, the subtext behind it. I, like, oh, I, I get you saying. Yeah, I get you saying. It's like like when you hear like Cornette lay it out for you, where it's like, all right, well, he says, well. I don't. I don't want to lose in can. I have creative control of the last thirty days of my contract or whatever, so I don't want to lose in Canada and I don't want to lose to Sean. So, and so then they come like, all right, we'll start looking at dates. All right, we we in um we in Detroit like Thursday or sometime before Survivor Series. Let's have, how about right then? No, well you know our you know the Canadian fans expect me to actually retain the bill to actually show up for Survivor Series. So I get like I get that. Um. My thing is, you're the one that signed the contract, or you're the one offered me this this lifetime contract. You're the one that that say you can't pay it. I say fine, whatever. You're the one that tells me um, that you want to try to make you know try to do this this huge thing of having uh, me versus me put over uh, Sean, and I get mine back, and I get my one back the next year. He'll hold this in. I, I make this other guy your next. I, there's another guy that was budding a new star. I, I basically get him over, right? I did that. Well, at what point does Brent stand up for himself? That's how I feel. At what when, point does Brent? When does he get his? Over? <laughs> it's it's almost similar to the CM Punk thing, where it's like, you know how, how Vince says, you know, uh, you do this for me, and I know you know you go here and cut your money, your, your merchandise money, and whatever. Oh, I owe you. <laughs> like when do I get paid? When do I? When do you? When do I cash in my? You owe me, Vince. WWE, WWF. When does that happen? And, and, I, and, and, and honestly, and, I don't and, think and it would have ever thing. came. Like with with Brett, like he would have been like phased down, like in, into air. Like he, they would have never like put him over Austin again. Like at that rate, okay. like Bret Hart's like walking on. Like he sees his, his demise. Like he's staring at it. Um. But yeah, man, like you know, a couple wrestlers like quit. You know, they said mankind quit for a day, um, and, and then came back. Bret Hart basically was like, "Look, man, y'all got families to feed. Don't don't make me like Bret Hart still being the leader, by the way. Um, <laughs> don't make me. Don't let me stop y'all from getting money, essentially. And you know, in the locker room, I think we kind of skipped over that part. Um, you know, Vince McMahon offered. Um, <laughs> Bret Hart one good punch at him, and Bret Hart broke his hand on his face essentially. Yeah, not him out too. And then um, Vince McMahon had the gall to come on television the following week and imply that that he could have you know whooped a wrestler's ass. In his, he was Vince in his late fifties at the time, right? You know, he could have whooped Bret the Hitman's heart's ass. You know, Bret Hart's in the prime of his life. Like, I, I don't believe you, Vince. Yeah, you know, and then talked about, you know, in the time out of tradition. And yes, yes. You hear, yeah, and so the Bret Garge, which is like, everybody that watched that, that was, you know, um, that wasn't a child, um, knew that there was, there was some screw up here. Knew that you screwed this dude. That this dude that you know, 
They were the company for forever. Um, and you screwed into that his title, and he's going somewhere else. And that's your explanation is Brett screwed Brett, the time on tradition. Um, we were up against the wall in this decision you made. Um, like, it backfired so badly in his face that, like, he had, he had to literally steer into the skin and become Mr. McMahon. And by, you know, Mr. McMahon is, like, actually, like, he had to become the eccentric guy, the eccentric guy that he already was and the narcissistic jackass that he was. And it turned out to be one of the greatest characters in the history of professional wrestling. But that, that's one of the reasons why, like, the screwdriver is so pivotal is, like, so many things happened that led to, you know, them surviving and not only surviving, uh, you, you know, flourishing and thriving um, to where they're still, you know, around now to this day when wrestling promotions aren't supposed to last this long like that, especially a national brand. And it's funny that that time honor tradition thing. What was uh, the time honor tradition for Hulk Hogan when he was leaving the company? <laughs> what time honor tradition did he do? You know what? Uh, what time honored tradition <laughs> did they do with the Macho Man? You know, you, you know what time honored tradition did you know a lot of guys do? Essentially, like what time honored tradition did Warrior do? He got busted in the head with a scepter. Like I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like putting dudes over clean, like dudes are always not gonna want to lose a certain dudes. Like it's like that, you know. But I don't know, man. Um, let's get into a couple of these comments um, that we had come in um, from our wonderful uh, listeners uh, and, and folks, members of our group. So Scott Parlett, we haven't addressed this situation, but. He says, at the time, I thought it was a work. But then Brett showed up on WCW. Personally, I never really could stand Bret Hart's character, so I was glad HBK had the title and Brett was out the door. Looking back now, I kind of wish it never happened. Brett was a fantastic wrestler, and I wonder how many great WWE matches could have happened that never did. Well, I'll name a couple of them. Bret Hart and The Rock could have clashed in a high-profile match. Bret Hart and Mankind could have wrestled, you know, on pay-per-view at some point. Yep. Bret Hart and Triple H eventually could have fought on pay-per-view. Yep. Um, Bret Hart, imagine Bret Hart and Angle. My God. Bret Hart and Angle. Uh, Bret Hart and Jericho <laughs> by that time, you know, in 99. Uh, like you, you, you could have probably seen like, Kane. If you, if you, sorry? You probably could have got Kane and Bret Hart again. You know, Kane, Kane not Isaac Yankum, you know. <laughs> We'll go to the next one. Um, Howard. Okay. And if you include, like, let's say, you know, WCW or WWE wins or whatever, it still goes around the same way. Like, you still would have, like, Eddie. I mean, you still have Eddie. You still have Law. Like, he could have extended his career with the influx of guys after the split that had been around. Like, there, he would have, he would have, he would have been perfectly fine. Yeah. It's just, you know, they went at the right, they stayed, went in the direction of, you know, Dick jokes and, and DX and stuff. And <laughs> dick jokes. Bruh, they sacrificed Bret Hart for some dick jokes, bruh. Pretty much. Um, like, like like porn star, like fake porn stars doing vignettes where you're there. Well, like, there's some real Inception shit going on where, like, you got Val Venus, like, cutting a, cutting a vignette promo while he's watching himself having sex 
I guess like studying his technique, like it's like he's like he's scouting, <laughs> like he's doing uh, what do you call it? Uh, I mean, reviewing tape, like like doing advanced scouting, like self scouting himself or whatever. Yes, like, it's, it's 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 a really it's a really weird situation with this company. Um, what would they win over last year? And then like. You know the crazy part is like they add, they do the Tyson thing, and then like you know it pretty much turns that plus the uh, the pay per view money change, and like it turns everything around for them like that. Um, yeah, in like a matter of months. Uh, Howard Schilling writes in. He says, "I've heard some people argue that it's a work. Others say it's a shoot. The fact that we're still talking about it twenty years after it happened leaves one common denominator: that it was a special event which will probably never be repeated because of how much information is accessible in today's world." And that's a, that's a very important thing. Um, and I think this is also important to note. Like, when all this shit happened, Bret Hart picked up the phone. The first guy that he called was a dude he didn't necessarily even like. But he realized his importance, and it was Dave Meltzer. And basically, the two, um, you know, we, we got a relationship with F4W over there. But So this isn't us, like, just, um, you know, shilling or anything. But... If you read those two issues of The Observer, like, you you can't tell them, like, the painstaking detail and accuracy. Like, you can compare it to, like, Bret Hart's book. You can listen to Pritchard's podcast. You know, you might get a little... I was going to say to you. What I was going to say, like, it's almost, as if, it's almost as if Bret keeps, like, you know, painstaking uh, notes so that eventually he'll write a book or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and I strongly feel that Bret Hart's um, book is the greatest wrestling book uh, or biography that has ever been. Uh, will never be touched um, unless Vincent Mann decides to write one. But um, I highly doubt that. Um, yeah, but, like, the the value of, like, you know, as Howard was saying, like, how much information is accessible in today's world, it started pretty much from there, I would say. <laughs> like, like I, I imagine the Internet was, like, internet wrestling community was in its infancy and there were people that kind of knew what was going on but that kind of stoked those fires like it made people like how the fuck do I find out what really happened um Nicholas Guerrero says plain and simple it needed to be done to save potential embarrassment and harm for the WWE championship and the company now this was a line of thinking back then um now I have an issue with that because like Everybody that was back there, aside, there's not a single person that I've heard, um, whether it was Pritchard, whether it was Cornette, whether it was um, Jim Ross, I've yet to hear anybody that was involved in the backstage uh, situation as far as booking committee or whatever else, or whatever you want to call them, where they actually thought that after Brett gave his word that he would not like show up on Raw with the title, that he would, that, that, that he would cross them on that. Everybody, everybody believed that Brett would, would not do that to, to Vince and to the company. Especially because, you know. There was a lawsuit going on at the time where. Oh, with the Medusa thing. Yeah, too. That's another thing about that, too. Like, with the with the Scott Hall, the the gimmick infringement stuff. Like, so WCW was already in court with them. Like, I don't think that, that was. It obviously, you know, Eric Bischoff is capable of anything, but I don't think he, you know, it, it was literally illegal for Bret Hart to do that, <laughs> like, according to, yeah. you know, the litigation, the contracts, and all that. So, I, yeah, but in WWE's twisted mind of thinking, like, you know, they care about the lineage, and even though they've fucked their own lineage by that point, they had, they had held the belt up at several, you know, various times, like... Yeah, like, you know, WrestleMania four. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, like they, like they like they told them they were about to hold him up and vacate the title. Oh, you mean like when you vacated and had a fucking tournament at a WrestleMania for Christ's sakes? You know, they 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 also had you know the Royal Rumble in 1992 um, for a vacant championship. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They they also had I'm trying to think. I think it was actually cool for until then. It was cool until then, but um, they had Bob Backlund basically win that shit and drop it immediately uh, from Bret Hart to Diesel. Um, yeah, so um, Cam Loggins says it's the greatest thing to ever happen in wrestling. Which strong argument? You know, you could you could say all parties benefited from it. Bret Hart launched into WCW as hot as he possibly could. Obviously, it didn't work out for him, uh, but he did get paid. Shawn Michaels, you know, got the championship how how he wanted it and everything like that. And, you know, Vince McMahon pretty much, re- you know, that was the spark for his product to essentially turn around. Um, yeah, and, he, and look, and you still pay the cost for, for turning the business to what they turned it into, where the whole thing is this is meta deal where, oh, uh, it's not actually a wrestling show. It is a behind-the-scenes look at at evil motherfuckers controlling the wrestling show, and that's what it's been for the last twenty years ever since. It. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, uh, Dre Sosa says Brett screwed Brett. Um, you know, Simon also says Brett uh, Brett not wanting to lose to Sean was petty bullshit. He's the top star for them, and you're out the door. Yes, he's an asshole, but you can pride yourself on being this great. But you can pride yourself on being this great wrestler in all facets. Then get petty as you leave. So you know, you know what? Like, there's a, there's a weird thing with like the Brett thing about the Brett screw Brett thing. It's almost like falls in place with what what's going on in, in like everything that happens, whether it's um, like there's a lot of like people have a weird thing about blaming victims for being victimized, as if like stuff like like as if bad shit can never happen to them. It's just like, oh, you know, everybody can armchair quarterback and, and tell you about how, like, they would avoid themselves from getting raped, or how they avoid themselves from getting shot by the cops, or how they can avoid themselves from apparently getting screwed over by uh, by, by evil motherfuckers that always have been planning on uh, screwing you over for, for months at a time, months. like this, right? So, like, you look back at it and be like, look, man, he operated in good faith. Um, Sean was a jackass. Sean was unprofessional. Sean um, didn't put people over when he's supposed to put people over. Ever. Yeah, ever. Literally, like, you heard him say it on, uh, you heard him say it on, t- on the mic before. The, the heartbreak kid lays down for no one, for no man, or whichever it was called. <laughs> the right? heartbreak kid doesn't lay down for anybody. Yeah. That man, run off, that man is known to run off on the plug, right? Yes. When it, when it comes time to, when, when that bill comes due, that man is known to run off on yes. the tab. Ain't, ain't no ain't no bills. Yeah, so... Like, I don't understand why, like, people can't be like, look, man, I understand what, in a, I get that in the vacuum, what, what Vince or what Brett was doing was, um, is, or was uh, unprofessional, but, like, lose, completely lose sight of the context of, look what he was, look what, look what was getting rewarded at the time. Like, being unprofessional at that time was getting rewarded, so why can't he be unprofessional? I don't understand. Like, what's, you know? Yeah, uh, and also another thing, uh, Simon, like, like you say, uh, like, like Brett was the top star then. Like Sean yep. was like the incum- like he Sean was coming along as a top star, and he got to run with it. But Brett was the top star. Like, yep. 
you know, like he was he was the guy that like Brett would have had to like give it to him. So like he came along after. Um, yeah, and also this thing with Sean. Well, Sean was well, Sean at the time. He wasn't um, in his IC days. He wasn't necessarily the uh, the actual guy as much as it was. He was almost like uh, the Chief Jay Strombo, where like Brett's a champion or Brett's in the main event and Undertaker's in the main event, and he and Brett er, and Sean's underneath, basically getting guys ready for whatever for the main event or for feuding with Brett or for like whatever weird thing is going to happen with um with Undertaker. Like he's pretty much like the guy that you go to before you finally get to the main event. Um, at the time, and a lot of that built on like whether it was Diesel or the Razor Ramon, as far as like he, it wasn't about necessarily about Sean necessarily being over. It was about him getting his other guys over, and then he gets recognition as far as being the genius in the ring because he had he got these great matches out of these guys that didn't necessarily have the best matches in the world. And I mean that's also the pill, you know, in general with Brett was that whole run from you know of the ninth of the early nineties in the mid nineties was. Everybody in WWF had their best match with either Brett or Sean. Period. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, Atif Nawaz, all the way from the UK. What's up, man? We got to get you on the show one day. Uh, he says, awful. Vince was wrong. Brett was right. I accept that Brett is bitter now. Uh, but to ask him to have his character destroyed by someone who openly disrespected him in his home country... Brett had reasonable creative control for the last 30 days in his contract. Brett was loyal to Vince and stayed with him for more dates and less money. He signed a 20-year contract with him. People always make a big deal about the kind-hearted and generous Vincent Mann helping Brett negotiate with WCW. He needed WCW to sign Brett, as they were the only people that yep. would take Brett and con- his contract off of his hands. Brett was an upstanding locker room leader, and perhaps um, some... I need to turn that off. Um, he was like, Brett was an upstanding locker room leader, someone with an impeccable track record. Vince had no reason to suspect Brett would do him wrong. And if you can work off a handshake deal with Jeff Jarrett, you're clearly a reasonably trusting person. So, <laughs> so, so Vince, yes, shots on Atif, who, who, you know, anytime we clown on Jeff Jarrett, uh, we do so. Get well soon, Jeff Jarrett. Um, so... Vince didn't have to double-cross Brett. Brett offered to drop the belt to anyone and theoretically had another month on his contract. Vince had options. He he made what was the morally wrong choice and screwed someone who'd given him most of his adult life. Yeah. I mean... Okay, so on one end, you have the Brett screw Brett, and on the other end, you, like, Brett's the murder. Like, I'm not... I'm somewhere yeah. between on that. Like... At the same time, like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fit more into the line of, like, Brett got screwed over. But at the same time, like, Brett ain't no saint. Brett acted unprofessional. Um, Brett did act small and petty and childish. And he, 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 and he definitely, you know, took the business way too seriously, especially at that time where things were changing. And I think a lot of that is due to the fact that, he, you know, he was older than, um, than uh, like, the click guys, right? Yeah. For the most part, you know, because, you know, Nash is old as shit. But... Um, but how old is how old is Nash? Is Nash older than Brett? Nash is a little bit younger than Brett, probably like two or three years younger. Okay, yeah, but you know, unless you know his maturity level, he's are hanging out with Sean and, and Walton. My God. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like Brett grew up in an era, and also he was in that territory. You know, lifer. Like he grew up in an era where like you haven't taken that seriously, and then you know he got into, you know, um, he got to WWEF and. You know that that kind of seriousness 
a lot of pride and a lot you know, of di- got, lot of dick measuring. Yeah, Lane, that pride got him a lot of money and a lot of fame. So I get that, but it's true. Like a lot of stuff, you know, did he had a lot of stuff working against him, and he didn't do himself. He wasn't exactly a saint in the situation either. Yeah, comment from Caleb. He says, just have Brett vacate the title. He's not the type that would disrespect your title and throw it in the trash can. And I think this goes back to Vince, like, you know, feeling like that would kill the prestige of the title. Um, You know, meanwhile, they'd they'd had um, finishes coming off of flash paper and um, photographers' faces for the world title at that point. Um, You know, as we mentioned. Go ahead. Yeah, like I think the main, I think the main thing is just like I joked about it earlier, just like the, the cornet joke where he's like, "Yeah, well, here you go, Brett." Or yeah, you know, I've, t- I've done it all basically. Took it, um, I, I I done it all. I did it my way. I took on all comers. Um, I whooped I whooped all your whole roster's ass. There's nothing <laughs> left for me to do. Um, it's almost like when um, it's almost like when Hogan uh, said it after he screwed over. Uh, after he became out as a third man at uh, Bash the Beach, he's like. I looked around and I did everything, and you know what, brother? I'm bored. Yes. <laughs> He's yes. like, so I'm going to where the big boys play for two, you know, for two and a half million dollars, and uh, holla, bro. You know, that's it. That's all. <laughs> Drop the belt on the ground. Walk out the ring. Yeah, Drop like, the mic too. It, it, it would have been. It would have been a definitely a bad look, but it. But I believe that like they thought like that would have been like a complete death nail, as if you know, like and what. To them, they took it as like that's the next worst thing you can do aside from um, throwing the belt actually in the trash. And, and they didn't. Like, to be fair to WWE, <laughs> they didn't know how close they were because they felt like they were like done if that happened. Like the, the company was like yeah. finito, finished. Um, but yeah, man, just the, just the thought of the Brett saying like, you know, I whooped your whole roster's ass, and you know. <laughs> Bro, this shit would be like, hilarious. Just real, real talk, think of it like this, right? Yes. Okay. Brett's, Brett's champ, or Brett, Brett comes back the next Monday, right? Like, Brett wouldn't do this, but Brett, let's say in theory, all the things Brett could do if he showed up, right? Right. All right. I will, look, I will be a little, I will be a little pussyfoot pretty boy. <laughs> I will be your dead man. I will be your, your, your I will be your immortal dead man that with the magic power, powers and shit. And yes. the, the the toughest sob that uh, the bionic redneck and I all whooped that stuff. Ass every I time whooped, I ever fought look, him. I, look, look, I whooped his ass and, and left him in a pool of his own blood too. <laughs> I'm going and I'm finna go to WCW. Where the big boys play, yeah. In theory, that you know that does look really bad. Right, and that's another part about this whole situation is why in the hell were you? How do you get to a situation where you feel like you may or may not? have to not pay this dude his money and then make him champion rich like it's short order i i don't think i think it came after right I, but like like brett was okay, already so, the champion and then he was like man i can't pay you but how do you do that while just, the dude's wearing the belt but they made him champion and uh, they made him champion in august, august and then like what october it was they sep- decided, september yeah, we can't pay you no more i think it was september they decided we can't pay you anymore so you mean that's even worse? So literally a month, a literally a month after you made him champion, we like, yes. yeah, bro, we can't actually do this. Then why you do it? <laughs> oh, that's for Vincent Man. If Vincent Man ever like to join uh, on One Nation Radio, maybe he can answer that. Um, 
But, uh, yeah, um, comment from Dion Murphy. He said, uh, that's when the world of wrestling understood Vince McMahon was not the dude to fuck with. That is definitely true. <laughs> Vince McMahon, uh, disrespect for the WWE Championship will not be tolerated on his watch. Um, when he makes a, you know, a 54-year-old guy the champion. Yeah, himself. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sergio Parra or, says... Or, or he goes to digs up Backlund to go and beat Bret Hart. Correct. Correct. Bob Backlund, who had felt fell off the place, the the face of the earth. Um, Sergio Parra says it shouldn't have happened. There was plenty of ways around it. Brett was willing to drop it to anyone else, or even to Sean the next night. The screw job did not need to happen. And considering how long Brett stayed loyal to WWE, even though that loyalty wasn't always returned, he should have had a better exit. They broke wrestling's number one rule, and I don't see them having the same outcome if that happened today. Uh, I mean, okay. Bret Hart has a lot less leverage today, so I don't think he gets that far. Exactly. Yeah. Like, it's either, oh, do you want to reschedule or do you want to go, or do you want to renegotiate your contract or do you, like, want to go to New Japan or, or go in the Indies? Like, there was no, there was no place where you can, you know, get out of, you know, basically have a good ass job and then leave and get a better job. Like there was no, there was no situation like that. Um, but as far as the, you know, all the tops of the options and side roles that, 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 that Brett offered them, like the one I believe the least is, I'm not going to put them over on pay per view, but like I will put them over on 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 free TV the night after. And he also uh, offered to draw the belt to the Brooklyn Brawler as well <laughs> in Madison Square Garden. Like that's hilarious. I feel like that's Brett being a jackass because he knew Vince McMahon wasn't yeah. going to do that shit. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah uh, in our last uh, comment, I want to say uh, Joe Saba. He says it created the biggest heel in Vince McMahon. I admire him for doing it. Brett didn't want to drop the title to Sean. Not his decision to make. It's his company. He can do as he pleases. Brett should have dropped the title, but didn't want to. So Vince took matters into his own hands and stood up for himself and his family's company. Uh, point in point, because um, it was a family company. But at that point, uh, he probably wouldn't be where he is today. Um, right. Okay. Yeah. So my thing on that is, all right, so this is a, uh, how do I say this? Just because you own the company does not mean you own the employees. Um, and, you know, they like to, we always talk about how, you know, WWE likes to say that these guys aren't employees. Meanwhile, like, you know, they can't actually, like, be independent contractors and, you know, work somewhere else, right? Unless, you know, you, you sit out for 90 days to make sure you're not hot in the streets no more. Yes, that's um, not hot. I think that... Yeah, I think, the, yeah, man's not hot at all. Um, man can never, ever be hot. Yes. Uh, but I think the thing is, and we, I mean, you talked about this with, in, in terms of uh, when uh, the Heat basically told Wade to walk. Um, and, ba- and it was like, okay, so you, so you spent your whole time trying to sell um, your company or, or companies, you know, they tried to, you know, to potential uh, clients or not clients, uh, employees is you try to sell not only just the money, you sell professionalism and you sell, you know, quote unquote family and loyalty. Well, can't really do that once you screw over like, you know, you know, your second, your second five time champion ever. Like you can't like that. That's out the window. Like you're just cutthroat as everybody else. Like it's, 
it's gone. And the thing about that is, like, when it comes to that kind of thing, like, it, it's all about relationships. And you're going to have to deal with people that are pains in the ass to deal with, like Sean, where and you're going to have to, quote, unquote, be, be fair and have to mediate some of these things. And when you do, when, once you do something like that, like you set a precedence of, like, anything can happen. Uh, the locker room can be, you know, as tense as it already is with guys, you know, already, you know, accidentally on purpose, as they say, and everybody's, you know, and it's a zero-sum game, and everybody's trying to hear fighting for for a real Spots. estate turf um, over in its time slots, all that kind of stuff, to throw in the, the part where, oh, yeah, and your book could screw you. Yeah. Your book could undermine you. Like, that, that, that was a really, you know, that was a really uh, dangerous element to throw into play when all these sharks are out here literally fighting for, for, for money. There's also drugs going around. There's, like, you know... <laughs> Like dudes like giving their lives to this and beating their bodies to shit, and then that fucks up their minds and everything else. Like you know, drinking problems. Like wrestling is a is a weird, weird business. Like <laughs> it's so, so, so weird. Uh, especially back in those days. Um, don't know if it's as weird anymore, but um, I, I bet it's got to be even even more because like the at least back then they could lean a little bit on it. Like this is supposed to be real or legit or something like that, you know, but now it's like, yo, y'all can do whatever y'all want. So y'all are at completely at our mercy. Uh, I feel like the screw job changed the business. Um, you know, in that respect where WWE is now, like you mentioned, they're forever the bad guy. <sighs> And did they? Do you think they ever really made this right with Brett? Even though you I mean, know they put him in the Hall of Fame, they brought him back for WrestleManias, and uh, did another angle with him when he was older, but he was a lot older. Okay, so I think Brett has a lot of issues that um, that I sort of have, where it's hard for. Brett, Brett was always going to be somebody that was going to be hard to forgive because he's because he has such a great memory and he wrote all this stuff down and like he reads through all the crap that he's dealt, all his grievances, his list of grievances and like because you know not only does he have a great memory he also wrote them down he just go through and be like oh yeah these guys are even worse than I remember because I wrote I wrote the crap down so <laughs> it's really it's really hard for me it's really hard to like get over the kind of stuff when you're doing your mind of like. Yeah, it wouldn't be right or better, or would it put my, you know, my soul at peace in a better, uh, um, or whatever, if I, you know, forgave or let go of this, uh, yeah, stress in my life or whatever, or grudge I held, or do I just remember, oh yeah, this person screwed me over, and I want, and I, and not only do I want, um, whatever, uh, whatever I felt was coming to me, I want all of it, like. That's, that's a thing with people like you know that have good really good memories is like I mean I'm, I wish you have a good memory maybe maybe you know you're better at it than I am but like I'm really hard at letting shit go so <laughs> like I got, and I ain't never and I ain't never got a world championship took it for me you yeah. know what I mean and and, and now if you look at it in the context of the of the WWE title it sounds ridiculous like that it got to this level but the WWE championship yeah. back then is not what the WWE championship is now where they just can experiment with it for 6 months at a time um this it will was literally a, sink your company yes this was the cornerstone of their business this was like 
50 years or however long it had been around at that point. Um, and it was like, I feel so bad for Bret Hart, you know, and I don't, I don't know if that's just me always have been, been a fan of his, but um, as you mentioned, he did have the immaculate memory and he can, if you, if you ever read Bret Hart's book, like you can, I, I feel like Bret Hart's never lied to me. Or whatever, and that was like a bit like even though he's a obviously he's a professional wrestler, he lies for a living, like you know. But <laughs> like I don't feel like he ever like tried to get over on his fans, like like hoodwink them or anything like that. Like he was like, "Yo, this is how I felt about the situation. This is what happened. This is why I don't think it's right, and I challenge you to to debate me on it or anything like that." Like like this guy was clearly wronged and. and so many different ways and it's so unfortunate that you know that happened but at least he did get to come back and he did you know realize that eventually like you know all those matches that he had you know people needed to see them so he would he allowed that men's to be made because you know he didn't want all this stuff locked in a vault where no one could see it because what do we still look back on now Bret Hart's great matches, Bret Hart's, uh, you know, promos, Bret Hart's uh, entire, you know, run of influencing, you know, the style of wrestling that I like uh, and that many other people like. And him being a pioneer, the the first guy to break through that wasn't this huge muscle motherfucker like, you know, that or or had like a, a loud, you know, personality, essentially like, like a macho man or whatever. Bret was like an everyman. Um when I was a kid, like, you know, my favorite wrestlers were Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. And it was, it, it was never quite the same seeing him in WCW. If you ever seen him at all, cause he would disappear for months at a time. But I, you know, I can't say I wish it didn't happen because, you know, everything in wrestling, like kind of, you know, it shook out the way it did, but it damn sure is crazy to think about if it never happened. Yeah, um, who knows? If, you know, if that doesn't happen, screw up and happen. Maybe we're just not even a there. Maybe there's not even a major professional um, wrestling show on you know cable anywhere. Yeah, maybe it's not. Maybe it's, it's literally you know, like the biggest thing would be TNA. Think about that. <laughs> oh hell! Maybe no. the big, maybe the, like if not for this, maybe the biggest thing, maybe the biggest wrestling promotion in the world will be or in, in America will be the size of like TNA. Not necessarily TNA, but the size of TNA. Yeah, man. Uh, any final thoughts from you uh, on this, James? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I said this before about in, in, uh, on the podcast about um, uh, screw job, but like if it's 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 almost like tragic in a way because you think um, both of these people are working or are operating under good faith, where it's actually a real live relationship where he comes to you and says, look, I don't think we can actually do this. I don't think I can pay you the amount of money that I'm paying you and business operating under good faith. And you feel, uh, you know, you read, um, what do you think it's called? Titan. Uh, you mentioned. Yeah, uh, Titan sinking. Titan. Yeah. Um, or you, you know, you f- just follow um, the week to week talk about the negotiation, and you feel you're at, you feel like they're going to figure this out. And then you get to a point where you get to like 
maybe like two weeks out, and you're just like, oh my god, this. I mean, I mean, how many times I've um, how how much I know, like the back of my hand, like you just reach a point where you're just like, oh my god, they're they're not, they're this is um, this is broken. They're they're not going to be able to fix this. He's going he's going to leave. Um, and then like to see that part where you reach that point, and then like you look at what happened after that, and then like what happened to his career after. It's um, it's almost like tragic because he still had many many good years left. Because I mean, ninety seven, you can argue it's his best year. Yeah, yeah, you can say that. It's his best year as a wrestler. He's you know, and like within two years, he's done. Yeah, yeah, two three years. Yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah, two years. Never never mind. Yeah, um. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, I, I feel like I gotta go watch some Bret Hart matches after this just to get in better spirits. But um, yeah, man, I think that's gonna wrap it up for uh, our Montreal Screwjob edition. Um, really enjoyed that. Um, you know, it goes uh, what I was saying that WWE has uh, since uh, you know tastelessly tried to do the screw job in different situations. I, th- I think they should kind of let that go forever now. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh yeah, another, another fantastic part about like how we talked about the professionalism of, of people, you know, arguing about bread, screwed bread, or whatever. It's like, oh, so, uh, like it takes literally the Undertaker having to uh, tape up his fist and be backstage, and um, and under the threat of uh, the guys of uh, there will be uh, mutiny, danger, 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 and violence and pain involved if uh, if Sean doesn't do a job for us in his miserable life. Uh, with the belt at WrestleMania 14. So there's that as well. If and then he retires. If you guys want um, examples of Bret Hart's memory, um, you can check out the Greatest Rivalries DVD with him and Shawn Michaels, where Shawn Michaels feigns, like, you know, confusion and memory loss uh, while yeah. <laughs> while Bret Hart sits next to him and, and, and goes through every detail with no notes and, and you know, yeah. not missing a, a sentence, not stuttering on one word. Like, yeah. <laughs> literally. And, and everything is Sean is like, whatever yeah, he said. Right. I'll, I'll, yeah, you know, that was a bad time for me. It was a dark time. Yeah, you know, I don't really remember, but, you know, if Brett says so, then yeah. And just you know, I was a different place then. I, you know, now I'm, you know, this is HB Shizzle now. It's no. not. It's, I was back then. I was Sean. Now it's HB Shizzle. Yes, that man was on. He, so he, 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 he was damn near on that Rafael Palmero. Like I'm not, or <laughs> or, or that Mark McGuire. I'm not here to talk about the past. Like. <laughs> Pretty much, like, but in like a nice way or whatever, because you know Bret Hart at any time can reach over and, and stretch him, you know. <laughs> it's like the whole time, like the whole that whole entire like meeting or, or not meeting, the whole entire get together with him, Ross and uh, him, Ross and Brett is just like Sean just pretty much just squirming in his chair as Brett basically like tells tells the world like how unprofessional, how much of a jerk he was uh, twenty years or not twenty years at the time, fifteen years ago, yes. and. Like, and Sean's pretty much just sitting there saying, like, yeah, yeah, I was really bad back then, you know, but luckily I found Jesus. Yes, I'm saved now. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, man. Uh, yeah, but uh, that's going to wrap up our Montreal Screwjob show. Uh, um, Sunday, we will be back with our um, AJ Styles celebration uh, for him winning the uh, WWE Championship. I may just prepare a rant. You never know. Um, we're going to be seeing Kenny Omega in the Young Bucks this weekend, James. Are you excited about that? 
Uh yeah, I'm 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 pretty excited to go see the second best in the world. Anyway, so, uh you know I, you know going it's, it's going gonna be, it's gonna be fun going to see the, real fun going to see the best in the world. You know Kenny Omega, and, they, and, they, and they, it's, it's not that often you get to see the second best wrestler that to walk the earth at any given time, especially when they're not American. So um, it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be real fun. You know, like, I, I mean, it's exactly like going to see Okada, but you know, yeah. whatever. Anyway, still, you know. Oh, I, I, I'm planning on. Uh, I'm going to try to get there for the meet and greet, and I'm going to attempt to get a drop from Kenny Omega for One Nation Radio. That is going to be my goal. You know, I'm going to say, "Hey, would you mind, you know, saying that?" And I'm going to hold my phone up, say, "Hey, this is Kenny Omega. You listen to One Nation Radio. That would be awesome." So if we can get that, you know, we we would definitely be certified as a seven star podcast so you know um yeah there was a big new japan show this week recommend you guys check it out um it was dope um but yeah that's gonna wrap it up make sure you guys check out the smc podcast i hear they have a um a podcast coming out this week where rants will be spitting hot fire as he says uh <clears throat> about uh the whole kenny omega and jericho situation as well as the title change um, so looking forward to see what, what Rance uh, has to say and uh, those guys over there. Uh, shout out to Caleb and Curve. And um, we're going to get free up out Caleb. Of Yep, free Caleb as always, man. Um, uh, shouts out to Jeremy. Uh, so suplex.com. Make sure you guys uh, go ahead and visit over there. And obviously, uh, Lattice Lariat, uh, dropped, I dropped two columns this week. One about AJ Styles basically saving the WWE uh, like he's done all year. And another one about Chris Jericho maybe being the alpha of professional wrestling. So you guys should go ahead and check that out. Uh, Anyway, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, Run it back. Five-star rate. All that. Tell a friend. We up out of here. Later. Peace. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.